0: You're listening to a Toronto Centre podcast. Welcome. The goal of TC Podcasts is to spread the knowledge and accumulated experience of global leaders, experts, and world-renowned specialists in financial supervision and regulation. In each episode, we'll delve into some of today's most pressing issues as it relates to financial supervision and regulation, the financial crisis, climate change, financial inclusion, fintech,
1: and much more. Enjoy this episode.
0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to our global audience. Welcome to Toronto Centre's second episode of Pandemics and Financial Stability. Uh, I understand we have several hundred people who've joined us. This is very encouraging. Uh, We had a very exciting session last week with a very important message from the WHO and a prominent supervisory authority, who's a member of Toronto Centre's Board of uh, Directors Advisory Board for Insurance and Pensions. The key takeaway of that first session was we must listen to public health officials. This is serious. Second, we all need to have robust business continuity plans. And that's not just financial institutions and supervisory authorities. I think we all are seeing that in various sectors of the economy. Finally, we must bring unprecedented resilience to these times of uncertainty as we apply the difficult lessons we are learning every day. The coronavirus is uh, rapidly rising. The latest count in the U.S. now has surpassed 46,000. Canada has surpassed 2,000. And one of our speakers here is actually in Lima, Peru. They have, uh, their cases are approaching 400, which is the number Canada had in less than 10 days ago. So we're all in this together. But it's not just about the, pandemic and the virus, global economic anxiety about uncertainties of the impact of coronavirus continues. Just very recently, the president of the U.S. Fed in St. Louis said that if nothing is uh, put in place to mitigate the impact, the unemployment rate in the U.S. in the second quarter can rise up to 30%. That's a staggering number, but to put it in perspective for you, The unemployment rate in the United States during the Great Depression at its height in 1933 was 24%. So you can see the dynamic here. We have two very qualified and uh, internationally renowned experts. Before I introduce them, I would like to thank Toronto Center's key funders, Global Affairs Canada, Swedish International Development Cooperation Agency, the International Monetary Fund, Comic Relief and Jersey Overseas Aid, without whom we could not bring you the programs that we have today in the virtual realm. Our two noted uh, economists and speakers have tremendous international experience. I'm not gonna read their full bios, you have them, and we're also posting them on our website, but I should say something very briefly about each. Uh, Ms. Socorro Heisen is the current superintendent of banks, insurance, and pensions in the Republic of Peru. She's also a member of Toronto Center's Board of Directors. Uh, formerly, she worked at the Central Bank of Peru and a senior official at the International Monetary Fund. She holds a master's degree in economics from the UCLA. She's a fantastic uh, speaker. Vincent Reinhardt is Mellon's chief economist and macro strategist. In this role, he's responsible for developing views on global economy and making relative value recommendations across global bond markets, currencies, and sectors. Previously, he was chief U.S. economist and a managing director at Morgan Stanley, resident scholar at the American Enterprise Institute. He was in the U.S. Federal Reserve System for more than 24 years, including uh, with responsibilities at the uh, Federal Reserve Bank of New York, which is at the forefront of supervision of financial institutions. And he is a noted academic with numerous publications with a graduate degree from Columbia University. So without further ado, I'd like to go to our speakers and ask each of them a very basic question. Each of them has seen many uh, global financial crises and other crises throughout their careers. So let me just ask you each, Vincent, how is this crisis different?
2: I haven't seen a crisis like this in, in my lifetime. I don't think any of us have. And it's for a couple reasons. Uh, one is we're getting the disruptions to economic activity first w- without the uh, associated uh, kick of a wartime econ- economy of mobilizing resources. And second, it's both advanced economies and emerging market economies. Usually, the global plane has one engine still firing. They don't all sputter at once. The last time this happened was in the Great Depression.
0: Vincent, much of the impact of the coronavirus has thus far uh, been directly on the real economy rather than through the financial system. This impact has varied considerably by country and region. These impacts may be temporary, but they will not necessarily be reversed rapidly. What is your view on a long-term negative impact on the real economy and to the global financial sector in particular?
2: So I think there are two parts to that answer. The first is we're definitely on the downward slope, both in terms of our vulnerability to the infection globally, the disruptions to economic activity as we try to mitigate that, and the withdrawal from risk-taking that is associated with big capital losses on, on, on global markets. The problem is that is exposing weaknesses on corporate and national balance sheets that could lead to uh, permanent losses, businesses closing, uh, countries defaulting. And, and that's a permanent scar. Uh, the second part of it is I don't think we will get out of this with the same attitude toward globalization. Uh, we will be much stricter at borders. We've seen already that the, the, the notion of a single market in Europe gets broken down. If it involves shipping medical sp- supplies across the border, that countries have closed their borders uh, uh, and that, that that's, that's going to be a feature of our future. Uh, less globalization, harder borders.
0: Cora, if you can hear me, what is different about this crisis?
1: OK, well, let me first start by emphasizing that this is an unprecedented uh, true global event, just as uh, Vincent uh, mentioned. Uh, there's a lot of things that are different from this crisis regarding the 2008-2009 crisis. Uh, I mean, starting for the most obvious, the the financial systems and the regulatory frameworks and the supervisory agencies are in a a stronger position right now, or where in a stronger position than uh, before uh, during the previous crisis. Also, the origin of the shock is different. The, The origin of the shock in this case is not the financial system, but from outside of the financial system, and because of that, Uh, perhaps uh, financial regulators and authorities uh, who who were not prepared or had not thought of a scenario like this at all. Uh, But I think that the most important uh, difference is the high degree of uncertainty that we have to deal with. In any uh, crisis, there is a high degree of uncertainties and authorities have to make decisions with incomplete information and a high degree of uncertainty. The difference here is that uh, uncertainty here, the sources of uncertainty are more diverse and could be very difficult to grasp for uh, economic and financial authorities because it's not our field of expertise. And in this case, we have to coordinate. uh, We need intensive coordination among ourselves, of course, as usually, domestically and internationally, but also with uh, other government authorities that are in a different field and that generally we do not communicate with them. or we have not found the need to communicate like health authorities or police authorities. So this presents uh, new challenges. And let me uh, stop it like that um, with my answer to your first question.
0: That's great. Thank you very much for that answer. It was very succinct and to the point also like to let our audience know that you have a chance to ask questions. If if you would like to ask any questions, please use the Q&A function, and the questions will be fed to me, and I will make sufficient time for as many questions as possible to be read. So Cora, let me ask a follow-up question to you. Uh, You already touched a little bit on that, but this is a chance for you to elaborate a bit more. So supervisors currently should monitor economic and market developments, monitor the solvency and liquidity of individual financial institutions. In fact, they do this all the time. Intervene as necessary. So a lot of important core roles for supervisors, just on a daily basis. Now, in the context of the coronavirus, what issues have arisen or may arise for financial sector supervisors in these core roles?
1: Let me say that, we had to rebalance our supervisory activities and priorities to deal with this crisis uh, we we had to uh, stop uh, some of the well of course we had to stop altogether together on-site activities for obvious reasons and reduce some of the reporting and focus on things that are more relevant for resol- resolving the short-term challenges of this crisis and for addressing Uh, the long-term issues that may be uh, arising. Um, The first thing, we have to focus on monitoring the operational capacity of financial institutions to be sure that they can operate uh, in a proper way in this context. Uh, There are, for instance, in our case, several difficulties for uh, financial entities staff to uh, reach their locations of uh, work uh, their work locations and uh, that uh, made made it difficult for some bank branches to open or also the the most important problems were with service providers because they were initially not considered as priority sectors uh, service providers like it service providers for banking institutions or uh, call centers for banking institutions and the staff could not reach their locations and that created choke points uh, in, uh, especially in, 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 cli- in answering clients' uh, questions and requests because in, in case of banks, for instance, lots of clients were calling to reprogram their loans or refinance their loans uh, and the call centers were not working at the necessary level uh, at the beginning. Uh, the same thing happened in the insurance company in which citizens were calling uh, to ask for health coverage of and, and they had lots of questions and if call centers were not working properly, they, there was also a choke, choke point there. Uh, fortunately, these issues have been resolved. The second issue that we're dealing with is a close monitoring of liquidity issues. Changes in liquidity patterns, changes in deposit withdrawals and, 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 and bank revenue and this affects not only banks, but also insurance companies because of some of the delays in in, uh, uh, collecting premiums for insurance, uh, which can cause liquidity uh, problems for insurance companies. But also, and more importantly, it can cause uh, problems of lack of coverage, if not addressed promptly uh, for people in the time in which they most need it. Uh, Third is the monitoring of credit risk. we have to look at uh, carefully at bank portfolios and, and create specific reporting for all uh, and, and more frequent reporting for refinance loans and, and to understand what is going on over here uh, with credit risk and also uh, monitoring uh, the new credit granted to see uh, the flow of, if the flow of credit is moving at the at the uh, correct speed uh, for instance in the in, in the first few in the first week of uh, isolation what we had is that uh, several microfinance institutions that uh, rely a lot on a person-to-person contact for granting credit were operating at one-tenth of their normal credit flows. Um, and, and the last uh, issue uh, that we're monitoring, of course, is the value of financial instruments for all banks, but mostly for insurance and pension funds with, which have very large portfolios of of financial instruments. Another important issue is the coordination among authorities. We are are, uh, working very closely together uh, in the Financial Stability Council and also in close contact with the industries uh, at different levels of staff, and also providing information to the public, uh, either uh, through our social media or with a special section that we have created in our web page, for instance. And, well, all all these are uh, issues that have arised. They they need to lift some of the prudential regulations, but I think you're going to ask about that later on.
0: Yes, thank you so much for that, and the degree of disruption is big. Vincent, I'm going to turn back to you. Uh, Coronavirus and its impact on the real economy also affects the financial sector. Uh, this is very real for all of us, real economy, financial sector. Uh, for many of us, it looks like our retirements are going up in smoke. I have family and uh, many friends who are owners of small businesses or profession, or professionals who have been forced to lay off their, uh, their key staff and members. So, you know, the impact is real. This has included sharp falls and in greater volatility in equity and other asset prices. We see that on a daily basis with Dow and NASDAQ, everything a deterioration in many borrowers' creditworthiness, et cetera, et cetera. What are the early lessons so far? Uh,
2: so, so the early re- <clears throat> lessons is if you disrupt economic activity, even if it's for the good cause of mitigating the spread of a virus, it can have relatively immediate and painful effects on lots of business models. Something like 45% of US workers are at firms that that are under 250 uh, employees. Uh, They don't have the resources to withstand much of an outage. Uh, And this is more than just a a short outage. Uh, It is a serious uh, disruption to their uh, way of life. Meanwhile, there's been a withdrawal from risk taking. I think the surprising thing is the extent it has also been a withdrawal and risk taking by key intermediaries. So there is less uh, linking of markets across uh, uh, different instruments and across different countries. Essentially, uh, big banks are husbanding their reserves, trying to keep within their uh, regulatory guidelines, capital and leverage, and they're not taking the opportunities to smooth bumps in markets. And so we're having more bumps in markets. Uh, so part of the reason volatility is higher is markets are just that much less efficient. And I think, you know, uh, there, there's a, a, a back office issue as well. And that is everybody had their own resiliency plans, but nobody really appreciated what would happen when everybody did it at the same time. And so when you have traders working from their kitchen, when you have uh, less resources, uh, you, you're, you're just finding out that uh, markets are functioning more poorly.
0: Yeah, that's true. And even even forget about the markets. I mean, just looking at ourselves, we are trying to uh, deliver a lot of programs and services online through the virtual domain. And I think you're not the only one. Everyone's trying to do that and just the pressure on the telecom system that provides the internet must be staggering, and we're just gonna get into that. So I think uh, you know can identify with that. So Kora, coming back to you, uh, the coronavirus outbreak uh, demonstrates the importance of business continuity planning by supervisory authorities and regulated financial institutions, crisis preparedness and crisis simulations. In fact, in our first episode, as I mentioned earlier, business continuity planning was the number one issue that a lot of supervisory authorities were asking questions about. So you are actually living your business continuity planning right now in your own institutions under under difficult circumstances. What should be the supervisory response to increased working from home by regulated financial institutions? And similarly for supervisory authorities, What is their capability for effectively carrying out their own responsibilities in light of working from home, accessing confidentiality, uh, decision-making, communication with regulated firms and with other authorities? Just to give you an example, uh, just yesterday, my own wife needed some uh, personal information about uh, one of our daughters uh, for the return of filing the tax system. And she couldn't get a hold of the bank. She tried so hard all day. And this is a bank in Canada, right? So you can just see the dimensions of this. So I would appreciate any insights you may have on this, please.
1: Well, uh, I think we have, uh, first, let me start with financial institutions, uh, remote work. I think we have to allow remote work uh, in this circumstance. Uh, But it is uh, more likely to work if prior arrangements have been done. like. bank continuity regulation and uh, uh, clear mandatory testing of business continuity plans and comprehensive supervisory uh, supervision of of these plans and the testing. Um, All these uh, supervisory prior actions should have included service providers to to be sure that uh, service providers provide adequate security and uh, for the uh, continuity of operations in in this circumstance. Um, If the financial system did not have uh, this prior, they're going to have a very very difficult time operating remotely under this circumstance. Um, In in our particular case, uh, we have found that about 50 or 60 percent of the key staff of financial institutions are working remotely at this point in all large institutions. And this, this number goes, grows up to between 70 and 100% for the insurance industry. Um, there are some issues that we have to consider there. Uh, clearly there are some activities that cannot be executed remotely, either for uh, the, the type of business model or for security reasons or for, for, for other reasons. As I mentioned before, the difficulties that microfinance industry is having in granting new credit because of the business model demands for person-to-person contact to assess the capacity to repay of the borrowers. And the same uh, layers of control that the microfinance uh, risk management systems have also require supervisory on-site visits to the business. And if the businesses are not operating, therefore uh, the credit cannot be granted. Uh, but so that's the first uh, thing. Uh, the other thing is uh, the, the remo- the, the, some of the remote activities cannot be carried out for long periods of time remotely. Uh, one thing is to to operate remotely for a couple of weeks. And another thing is that you're going to operate for 30 days, 60 days remotely. Uh, many of the activities are, 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 are going to uh, suffer uh, tremendously. Uh, the other thing is that uh, technical and, and technological capabilities have to be continually tested. And of course, during the emergency response, the most important thing for, for financial entities is to be uh, aware and, and careful about the health of their own workers. And, and, and uh, this limits the operation of some of the channels of, of, of the banks. Uh, For instance, they have to have protocols, what to do if a bank uh, employee becomes infected with the virus. Uh, A couple of branches in in some banks in Peru have had to close because of that reason. Uh, And then, uh, of course, the role of supervisors in this context is to continue uh, looking and monitoring the operation of the system and and be sure that the system uh, is addressing uh, all the, the the problems that they may have in and we have done that in the early days and now the the operation of the system is improving but as i said this is this is something that that can be done on a short period of time not on a very long period of time that from from the point of view of the banks from the point of view of the supervisory authorities the the capacity to work remotely also will depend on some uh, prior arrangements that, that uh, people may have done earlier uh, to have uh, enough laptops for the laptops for the supervisory staff uh, secure communication protocols cultural issues management proper organization to manage the workflow and key identification of the key staff and alternate personnel in cases the key staff is not available for for any any reason Uh, So strategies, uh, it's optimal that strategies were developed ahead of time to consider all these issues. In our particular case, uh, we had prior testing at some department levels, but not as a strategy of the whole organization to operate remotely. So uh, once isolation was declared, it took us one full day to have all the critical staff operating fully remotely. Um, We are uh, learning along the way, Uh, the first uh, day of isolation, as I said, um, most uh, supervisory staff still came to the office, and this day was used to address all the urgent issues like locating the laptops, uh, the remote access permits, confirming that all the laptops, iPads, phones had the necessary software, reminding everybody of the security protocols, among others. our IT staff uh, worked uh, very hard to get us up and running remotely very quickly, and, and we are very happy about that. On the second day of our isolation, uh, about only 40 supervisory staff went to the office, and now about 10 people of, out of a staff of 1,000 people are, are in the office at, at, this, at this current time, some of them helping me resolve the technical issues of this uh, webcast. So fortunately, we do not have uh, staff infected by the virus. Uh, But we have established protocols for this event. And uh, we have uh, succession plans uh, and alternate staff to replace key staff if necessary. And that's what I would like to say about this.
0: Thank you very much. I think what you're underscoring is how much you are actually deep in the trenches. This is a real situation, as I underscored, you are uh, living your business continuity plan. And we're beginning to get uh, questions from the audience, so I'd like to shift to them. There's one comment I would like to read and a, a question I'm gonna to pose to Vincent. A comment from one of the viewers is, this crisis highlights our ever-increasing reliance on sound or robust IT infrastructure. We need it for financial transactions and relationships, but also for the delivery of care. I couldn't agree more. So, Vincent, this is a question uh, that I think I heard echoes of it uh, in our first episode as well. It's kind of unfortunate that this crisis broke right in the aftermath of the dismantling of the world, uh, at least steady efforts to dismantle the world global trade infrastructure by certain certain, uh, countries and uh, um, world leaders. So the question is, in the context of hardening borders and shift away from a distinct globalization uh, from previous years, how do you perceive further developments of the existing business networks, both real economy and financial system perspectives? It also, in my view, touches on the fact that, the global coordination seems to be a bit uh, either uh, lacking or weak at least in this early stages of this issue but bringing it back to the business networks what is your view what's what's happening here at this point or what will happen
2: well I think in some sense uh, all the tariff wars and trade disputes of the prior year and a half was uh, a test run for understanding what happens when borders close uh, now we're seeing it in in, in real time and in, and in, 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 in much in a much more intense fashion. Uh, Chances are, uh, given everything we've learned, uh, supply chains are going to be um, less uh, 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 crossing national borders, because you can't be sure whether you can always cross that national border. And they will also be uh, uh, looser than previously, i.e no manufacturer reliably should get all their product from one province in China. Uh, so it's a looser, more interconnected supply chain, more country specific, more looking for obvious regional friends. And um, I think that that's going to be a, a, a more permanent feature of, of, of that network. Uh, I think also uh, do not be surprised if we, uh, we see more capital controls. That governments on the back end of this will have much more debt. Uh, they will have to fund that debt, and they will have central banks that will be seeking to renormalize uh, policy whenever that time comes. Um, th- they are going to be uncomfortable with the free flow of capital. And so, in some sense, uh, we're going back. We're we're going back about uh, 70 years.
0: That was a very sobering account, and uh, unfortunate, as I said, the timing. Uh, so, Coro, this questioner actually mentioned you by name. So, I'm going to pose the question to you. A joint, a joint statement was released by a central bank and bankers' association, which, which gave specific steps. To be taken by financial institutions, which included moratorium on loan payments. Do you think uh, this sort of thing is a wise choice by, by the central bank to provide such details uh, with the public rather and have such discussions with their licenses? Uh, and just for our viewers, I'm reading everything raw as it comes in. So Cora, over to you.
1: Well, first of all, uh, it was not the central bank, it was the uh, supervisory agency, the superintendency of banks. Um, And and let me say that we financial regulators are very reluctant uh, to use regulatory forbearance, and for good reasons. uh, Because regulatory forbearance comes with a degree of opacity, which in turn can affect market discipline and encourage uh, moral moral hazard. Uh, But having said this, if there is a time for some regulatory forbearance, uh, I think this is it. Um, this is it because it, in this period of high uncertainty and market volatility, it is very difficult for uh, institutions and supervisors to determine the value of loans. It is not possible to assess what proportion of this shock is temporary, what proportion of it is permanent. And in time, financial markets are likely to recover part of the uh, value lost. Uh, some of the capital flows will be uh, reestablished with some limitations, as Vincent uh, mentioned. Uh, But so it is, and and some companies will recover, many companies will recover, uh, some of them with uh, fiscal supporting measures. So it is important to give time for the fiscal measures to to kick in. Uh, So uh, for a time, we're not going to be able to know what the new normal is. And therefore, uh, at at this point, in my view, some degree of forbearance should be expected from from uh, authorities in the short term. And this should be limited, controlled, temporary, uh, and well-coordinated with other uh, financial and economic authorities. Uh, The statement that we measured had to do with um, not declaring a moratorium of of debts. Uh, That's not what we did. What we did was to allow financial institutions to refinance their debt, uh, their clients' debts, on two different fashions, either on an individual one-to-one basis or on a massive uh, group basis and continue to accrue uh, interest and maintain the the classification. This is not a mandatory uh, order from the superintendency. It is just an allowance. Uh, and uh, what uh, uh, that would facilitate banks to make uh, decisions, uh, not considering the, the short-term uh, uh, regulatory impact. Of course, if after this uh, there is some uh, long-term impact, then other type of measures have to be taken. So it there, is a matter of policy mix and sequencing.
0: Thank you for that. Uh, Yeah, it is a difficult decision for sure. Uh, Vincent, I think this question is probably better addressed to you. Uh, Viewer is asking, do you see any permanent changes to the financial system as a result of COVID-19? If yes, what are some of the changes that you foresee?
2: So I think uh, there's, most likely will be permanent changes because this is a very big shock. Uh, As I said earlier, uh, at the other end of this, governments will have a lot more debt and they will be at pains to finance that debt. Uh, They will resort to a phrase my wife uses a lot, financial repression, using regulatory uh, powers to keep interest rates on their ample amount of debt as low as possible. That's a permanent feature. Uh, We will probably also be somewhat more uh, leery of algorithmic trade trading uh, because part of what's happened over the past few weeks is that model based trading hasn't worked particularly well. And in that environment, uh, we're back to people speaking to people making markets Uh, that sort of, Um, uh, learning process is not usually forgotten all that quickly. It will be forgotten. It usually is. Uh, I think uh, thirdly, our relationship with the central bank has been changed permanently. Uh, There was a ratchet up in what the Fed was willing to do in terms of outright purchases in 2008 and 2009 with quantitative easing. There's been a further ratcheting up in terms of the types of assets the Federal Reserve will acquire and the counterparties the Federal Reserve will deal with. And the reality is when a policy institution takes one step forward, it's extremely difficult to go back. The Fed has set a precedent. Ben Bernanke set set a precedent, j Powell has set a new new precedent. The Fed is gonna be more interventionist, more active in a lot of credit markets, not just the government securities, but uh, uh, credit uh, across the board.
0: Thank you very much for that. Um, Something that we need to think about. In fact, we're going to do uh, some further follow-up with you on that question. Uh, later on. So, Cora, for you, this question speaks to the uh, anxiety of the pensioners, Uh, probably those who are about to retire now or collecting retirement. So, the question is as follows. In light of the downturn in the global markets and the investment losses resulting from COVID-19 pandemic, what are your thoughts on government bailouts to the retirement funds in the form of payouts to the retiree members at their values prior to the downturn of the market? And then the, the the questioner asks further on, the retirement funds will then repay the government at the point the markets return to normal and investment returns are back to pre-COVID-19 levels. What are your general thoughts on that?
1: Uh, well, uh, in, in my experience, uh, uh, financial, uh, I mean the, the, the profitability of, of pension funds has to be looked at in the long term. And uh, it is very uh, difficult to look at the value of the pension funds at one point on, of time and expect uh, it to be uh, uh, okay in a, in, a, in a situation like this. Uh, in, in our particular case, uh, there have been prior crises, like the 2008, 2009 crisis, in which the value of pension funds suffered uh, an important uh, uh, reduction. Uh, also, during the trade uh, discussions uh, between uh, China and the US, there was a, there was an impact. And they have always recovered. So uh, I think that it, it is first, it, it, in our case, it is important that uh, people do not make uh, Quick decisions and, and realize losses at a time like this. Uh, second, uh, re- regarding the, the possibility of government bailouts, this is not a policy that we are uh, considering at this point. I think that we, uh, the government, should also wait and to see what is the the, the new normal, uh, what is going to happen. And and policies will develop in time if needed, but at this point, I would not do anything like that.
0: Thank you for that. And turning back to you, Vincent, this questioner asks, uh, we hear about the impact the government's response is having on the real economy, particularly small business and employees. They are on the front line. Frontlines lines, and hardest hit by the measures designed to spread the spread of the virus. How close are we, however, to large financial institutions begin to fail? And we all remember 2008. For example, due to unrecoverable loans and defaults, are financial institutions beginning to plan how to manage such losses, including how to work with lenders with a longer-term view?
2: So they must be, or they should be. Uh, it, it, it's easy to understand why small businesses, uh, particularly in, in service uh, uh, areas, are facing enormous constraints, uh, especially because they probably don't have that many resources to smooth over even a, a sh- short-lived disruption. But there are a lot of large businesses that are undis- diversified. I- airline company being the classic example all they do is fly planes and if travel is disrupted then their entire business model is at risk the same is true for many many parts of the hospitality industry gaming uh, uh, hotels so there are a lot of large businesses that are are definitely facing some constraints in that environment um, they will um uh have trouble with repayment. Uh, the first option obviously is uh, reprofiling uh, delay in interest payments. We've been emphasizing the companies and industries most directly affected by the disruptions uh, from the mitigation efforts. but re- remember also that commodity prices have fallen because an important cartel couldn't manage supply given the big weakness in demand, i.e. the Saudis and Russia are at odds and oil prices are trading in the low $20 a barrel. That has been a severe blow to the U.S. shale oil industry. And if oil prices stay as low as they are now for the remainder of the year, we would expect to see a considerable number of bankruptcies. There is another example of industry that's not diversified. And there are also banks in, that, in those areas that aren't diversified. They do a lot of their loan book to oil and gas expo- exploration activities. So yes, there are, is gonna be financial distress. It's gonna be at the low, small level, the medium-sized level, and it's not g- g- going to be uh, affecting banks. Thank
0: you. And Sokora, for you, um... Uh, so given the, the question is, given the rise in cyber risk and AML, uh, anti-money laundering, counter-financing uh, of terrorism concerns, I guess as we move more and more to the online um, environment, how do these risks uh, can be minimized uh, by regulators, supervisors, national authorities, given the move to telecommuting and working remotely? So it's a pretty astute concern.
1: Uh, well uh, uh, at this uh, uh, I mean in this particular moment uh, if if regulators and financial institutions have not done their homework uh, there, there are very limited tools to address issues like this. Uh, I think we we have to rely on prior arrangements that have been put in place for situations, not this particular situation, but uh, something like this, and, and, and uh, supervise those prior arrangements and hope that they are, they are going to work.
0: That's good, to the point. Um, Vincent, uh, this questionnaire is uh, kind of futuristic. Um, I guess uh, this question falls in the ranks of uh, a crisis is a horrible thing to waste. It says, um, do you think this situation is going to change the business model of some financial institutions? Uh, is this an opportunity or a threat in the long-term? Uh, how do you see the landscape changing?
2: So it, will, it, it matters. There will be, uh, in any big shock, there'll be winners and losers. The winners are those who are more technologically uh, adapt who rely more on uh, linking employees and customers uh, uh, by internet uh, that don't need a physical presence and can roll out more activity uh, and and get more revenue uh, relatively quickly. The fact that Amazon is out there trying to hire 125,000 extra people tell you that there's an opportunity. Uh, the fact that Walmart is, is hiring 100,000 people tells you that there are also opportunities amidst uh, what is uh, considerable hardship. Probably also means there'll be more concentration. Go back to the oil and gas exploration industry. Uh, it will be harder for the small and medium-sized firms. Uh, the longer low oil prices persist because their main asset is in the ground. And that's what they use as collateral. Uh, So you'd expect some consolidation in that industry. Uh, So uh, it probably argues uh, whether or not you like that trend uh, for bigness, uh, for technology, and for lack of physical presence and more um, uh, digital, digital ones. Okay.
0: Thank you. And Socorro, for you, uh, you're also the supervisor, regulator of the insurance sector, so I think this question is appropriate for you. And unlike the other parts of the financial sector, insurance is the protection that we need it. Uh, I hope that we never use it, but nonetheless, it's important. So the questioner asks, what do you advise insurance regulators and supervisors to do in order to reduce the effect on insurance companies and brokers in these difficult times?
1: Oh, God. That's a difficult one. Uh, well, uh, I think uh, the, the, the companies are going to have to uh, try to preserve liquidity and, and try to support their clients the, the best they can in these in this circumstances, uh, given some allowance uh, for uh, uh, some delays in, in payment of premium and, and things like
0: that. Thank you for that. Vincent, uh, for you, um, this is a retrospective question. I think we have touched parts of it, but it's always good to come back and try to elaborate more. So this outbreak has revived my memory of the 2008 global financial crisis. I think has revived many of our memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think by this time, most central banks have already implemented some monetary policies through to avoid implementation lags, but the effects may take months or years to materialize. Which short run measures may help? Because I think this will take a few months and now you've seen what the Fed and others have done, but uh, have all the, uh, I guess the bullets been fired or is there other things that still can be done that are relevant?
2: So a lesson in central banking is you never run out of stuff to do because you can just do w- what you've already done in larger size or across, a lar- or, or across more markets. So don't count the Fed Act out. I would separate central bank action into two parts. There are those aspects of policies and facilities to improve market functioning, and there are those that are uh, designed to provide macroeconomic impetus. Macroeconomic impetus only works with a lag, and you'd probably think, in current circumstances, the Fed Reserve uh, ability to uh, boost the econ- economy is pretty limited. Interest rates were already low before this. Uh, another 25 basis points on the 10-year treasury yield isn't even being reflected in mortgage rates. And besides, if you are sheltered in place at, at home, another 25 basis points isn't going to change your behavior whatsoever. So it's not about the macroeconomy. Really, it's only fiscal policy that can give an immediate lift if we can get through the policy implementation lags there, i.e., Congress doing something. The first set of what the Federal Reserve uh, uh, did was to support market functioning. Essentially, if you believe this is a V that we're in the downward sloped uh, portion as economic activity contracts and people get more risk averse, but you believe there's an upward slope to it, then then you also believe that assets sold right now are done at fire sale prices, that they they will recover in value. What you don't want is financial institutions, investors to sell in in a panic into a fire sale, have losses, which then impair their business models and their ability to function. So what the Federal Reserve is doing across asset class, across groups of investors, basically saying, don't sell your asset borrow from us at a preferred rate with a, a, a generous haircut on, on the value of those, those assets. And so that, 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 that avoids fire sales, avoids the losses, avoids the nonlinear events that make financial crises have a, a, a permanent effect on macroeconomic activity.
0: Great. Thank you, and you know what? Uh, we're overwhelmed with a lot of questions. We're not going to be able to get to all questions, but we do promise that the questions we're getting will be one way or another addressed either through the next uh, webinar or to various work and publications that we do. So, Sakura, I'm going to pose the very last question to you. Um, It's an interesting one because I know that uh, you and your colleagues uh, who weathered the global financial crisis and you in Latin America are no stranger to crises in the region have always been working in stress testing. We at the Toronto Centre have done a lot of work on crisis preparedness. So the question is asking, uh, and then, but the question is this pandemic, right? It comes out of a sudden and, and our WHO speaker last week said this is the invisible enemy. And we're all beginning to see how, you know, we're kind of, slow walking into a depression if you're not careful, forget about a recession. So the question is, um, is there a financial tool available which can be used by financial supervisors and regulators to anticipate and stress test the impact of a shock like COVID-19? And I guess the speaker, this uh, questioner is asking perhaps in the future, like is there something now that we learned about this that can help prepare us for maybe another pandemic or something and one of those unknown unknowns again in the future
1: as as uh with the trading models the supervisory models and the bank models uh, uh, regarding uh, on stress testing models uh, cannot capture very well uh this this event uh, it 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 has a lot of complexities uh Maybe a long time in the future with the uses of uh, bigger databases and access to other things, uh, we may be able to, to do something like that. But at this current time, uh, all the stress testing models and the parameters are probably not, not too relevant. Uh, so what, what we are uh, having to rely on is uh, more expert judgment as the, at this time. Uh, prior experience uh, in dealing with uh, financial issues and crisis I think it is is more valuable at this point than uh, a, a specific model
0: Thank you so at this point I want to ask uh, I want to thank both you and our global audience uh, our speakers you really kicked ass I mean this was a very very interesting and informative session, not glossy like those TV programs that we see, not sensationalists, but really good information. Thank you for your frankness. This was a difficult conversation. And almost every one of us right now is one form or another in a lockdown having this conversation. Toronto Centre will bring another uh, few of these sessions forward on pandemics and uh, financial stability. Please uh, be on the lookout for them. And uh, we look forward to working with you and also our own office, just to let you know, in the Ontario, province of Ontario, uh, we are supposed to close the physical office at the end of the day today. We will continue working on the virtual mode, but this is the reality for everyone. And I wish everybody a very healthy uh, present and future. And thanks again, and we'll be in touch with you. Goodbye. Thanks.